Well, we're going to be landing the plane today on our series, Light of the World. And sometimes we get through the whole Christmas season and we never have the chance to read the Christmas story. And so today I would love for us to read the Christmas story together. Now, did you know that only two of the four gospel accounts or the biographies of Jesus actually talk about the details of his birth? The other two, they don't. So what we want to do is we want to look briefly at Mark and John. And then we're going to be looking at Matthew and Luke as they give more of a detailed account of what happened. So, Mark. Mark is very direct. Notice his direct approach as he gives his thesis up front. He says, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, many theologians believe that Mark is actually writing for Peter. And if you notice, some of Peter's writings are very brief and to the point. Mark introduces John the Baptist and then... Jesus gets baptized, then off the races we go, right? Jesus goes in the wilderness, then a bunch of Jesus' teachings, and then the death and resurrection of Jesus. So very fast pace. Now John, on the other hand, he, like we talked about the very first week, he doesn't explain what happened. He explains why it happened. Notice what he writes. Now this is John 1. In the beginning, the word already existed In the beginning of what? In in the beginning of our world, what we know of our world, he already existed. So he predates human history. He predates the creation of our world. The word was with God and the word was God. We're going to find the word was Jesus. So the word was with God. Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. The one who is the true light, who gives the light to everyone was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, like, like, like me, like the disciples, and like many, 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 many other people, we've accepted him, and he gave the right for us to become the children of God. He says the, the beautiful thing is Jesus put on flesh He came to rescue us. He he came that sinners would be saved, that sinners would be rescued. And now we identify God, not just as God, but God as our Father. John continues, he says, the word became human and made his home among us. See, Jesus, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Jesus was complete. Jesus was different. Jesus was had this temperament about him that it was so attractive. And yet we have seen his glory. Guys, guys, we've seen Jesus who was God and is God. We saw who he is and what he does. See, remember glory is the sum total of all that God is and all that God does. The glory of the Father is one and only Son. It's interesting that John starts this way, explaining the why, and then he wraps up his book, his letter, the same way. He he reminds us of the why it all happened, why he wrote, why he risked his life to write and get us this document. He says, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. He says, maybe things aren't going the way that you want them to go. Things have been a lot more difficult. 
But he's like, I want you to continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. See, what I love about this is the Son of God died for the sin of the world. Your, your personal sin to be your personal Savior. Just like he did for me, my sin to be my Savior. Whether it was six people, six thousand, six million, six billion people on the planet, it wouldn't have mattered the amount of people. It was about your personal sin for him to be your personal savior just like it was for my sin for him to be my savior john's clear man the invitation is to decide am i going to believe jesus for forgiveness of my sins really comes down to that and he remember he says but these are written so that you may continue to believe so the question that john wants you to know or wants to ask you is do you believe in if not, will you continue to read? Will you continue to investigate? I promise you, it will pay off. There is no one like Jesus. So, on to the Christmas story. Imagine with me, we're going to be looking at Matthew, and we're going to be looking at Luke's account. And imagine with me Matthew. Matthew was liked by no one. No one liked Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. No one liked him. No one wanted their kids to grow up to be tax collectors. Sure, they had money, but they were used by the Roman government. No one liked Matthew. Matthew was lonely. But Jesus was teaching, and Matthew leaned in a little bit on it, and then all of a sudden Jesus says to him, I want you to follow me, and then he leaves everything and follows Jesus. And I can imagine maybe it was around a campfire, or maybe it was around the table, but Matthew began hearing the stories of Jesus and maybe Mary came to visit and she begins to share the story of what it was like that first Christmas morning. And so he's like, hold on, time out. Let me, let me grab something to write with. We need to document this. We need people to know what happened. Matthew is writing to a particular audience and then Luke is writing to a particular audience. See, Luke, imagine sitting down with Mary later on in her life because Luke, who was a physician turned journalist, didn't know Christ until well after the resurrection. I imagine him interviewing her and he's getting down the details because who he's writing to is a lot different to who Matthew was writing to. Matthew was writing to the Jewish audience. Luke was writing to the Gentile audience, the non-Jewish audience. Luke writes, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now Elizabeth is the cousin of Mary, and she has in her womb right now John. John is the cousin of Jesus, and John was John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer. And God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now notice, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now let me just let's just pause there and just sit in that moment. What if you're Mary? Is it like a are you like what is happening moment? Speechless, maybe. Well, she was confused and disturbed, and she tried to think of what the angel could mean. She is not saying a word. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. 
He will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give you, give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. It's pretty heavy. You mean, you mean, you mean the one we've been praying for? You mean the one we've been hoping for? The one that's been predicted that is going to rule and reign? That, you mean he's going to be in my womb? Yeah. Now let's jump over to Matthew. Notice how many details Matthew leaves out versus the Luke. Matthew writes, he said, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, notice the details that he adds. Before the marriage took place, see, the audience knew at that time that Mary should have been stoned. She should have been executed for what she did. At minimum, she should have been sent out to live in her sin and her shame somewhere else. But notice what happens. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. He did not want to disgrace her publicly. Imagine the strength that he had. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. All right, so he's taking the high road. Now, as he's considering this, he's figuring out how to do this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, I know who you are. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. For she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. And the audience is thinking, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we know, we know Je- Jesus is the Greek version of Joshua. We remember Joshua from the Old Testament, the warrior, the deliverer. The guy that succeeded Moses and led the people into the promised land. That means we're going to be delivered again. That means Israel will be set up as a powerful nation with our new king. Well, not so fast. For he will save his people from their sins. Boy, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I don't think we really need need saving it's more the romans it's definitely herod it's definitely augustus they they need they need to buy into what we're about Uh, they need to be saved we have this sacrificial system we have the priests we have the sacrifices we have this save you from sin system i I think right now the priority is that we need a joshua we need a national leader with a sword to defeat rome herod and augustus notice what what happens Joseph woke up and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Now, years before Joseph's dream, and this is why I want to explain this because there's a backstory to the story. Remember who Luke is writing to because we're going to jump into Luke. So let me give you the backstory. We talked a little bit about this last week, but Julius Caesar died and the adopted son, Octavian, actually controlled powering got power from mark antony and he became the new caesar the roman center the roman center the roman senate honored him by giving him the name augustus which means great and eventually this led to him being known as the son of the god and there's even an egyptian inscription that calls augustus a light shining in the brilliance of the great heavenly savior so people viewed 
Augustus as the light of the world, as the son of the God, the light of the world. And Augustus did many things to ensure that Rome would live on. It would outlive him. So he continued to establish Roman peace. He built a vast infrastructure based on, or based really on top of what Alexander the Great did. And then he also established a common language. Again, building off of what Alexander the Great did. Now, as we pick up Luke's telling of the Christmas story, we're going to see that those details would have been important to his non-Jewish audience. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Now, notice what he parentheses puts in parentheses. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. He's like, I want you to fact check me. He's like, there are two censuses. One was this one, and this is the one we're talking about. I want you to fact check me. You, you check the date on it. And the other one was a little bit later when Judas the Galilean led a revolt against that census. He continues, he says, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem, Judea. David's ancient home. Did you see what Augustus did without even knowing what he did? See, he was setting the stage for the true light of the world. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was now expecting a child. While there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. It seems like this came a lot faster than expected. The strips of cloth, many say, are the strips of cloth they use for lambs, baby lambs. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding the flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the one that you've been praying for, the one you've been hoping for, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. It's not common for a newborn baby to be lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. Imagine the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go up or let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Remember the first week we, we, we said that this is the most wonderful time of the year, not because of what's happening, not because of what's happening in the world, what's happening in our community, maybe what's happening for you as a teacher, as you have gone through so much this year, maybe for a parent and you've walked through, through, through a struggle, maybe your child's been having and you're struggling. I get that. But this is the most wonderful time of the year because of what's happened. See, the foundation of our faith is events. It's not a way of 
um, a way of philosophy. It's not a philosophy. It's not a sacrificial system. It's not books. No, 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 no. No, the foundation of our faith is God loving us so deeply that he became one of us yet without sin. He died for our sin in our place. He rose again from the dead to provide us spiritual life. That is the foundation of our faith. That is the foundation of our faith. Christmas, Good Friday, and Easter. Luke continues, he says, They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone in Bethlehem what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Amazing. It's an amazing story. Matthew and Luke did an amazing job giving us the details. John, later on in his letter, he gives us he gives us an interesting perspective. Perhaps it was because he was very close to Jesus, or maybe it was because he had such a close relationship with Mary as, as her caretaker. But he summarized it so well. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world through a virgin named Mary as a baby born in Bethlehem. Not to judge the world because the world has plenty of judges, no, but to save the world through him. In spite of what we think we need, God understands exactly what we need and that is a personal savior who is christ the lord there's a story that i shared last week with our fredericksburg campus and tim our online manager thought it'd be a really good idea to share the same story this week there was a police officer that was killed that was murdered his daughter his daughter shares a little bit about what she hopes to happen the one who murdered her dad. However, there was no heavier surprise than to receive a call that your dad had been shot and killed. It will be a day I never forget. I remember having conversations with my dad about him losing friends and officers in the line of duty. I have heard all the stories you can think of, but I've always had such a hard time with how the suspect is dealt with. Not that I didn't think there should be justice served, but my heart always ached for those who don't know Jesus. Their actions being a reflection of that. I was always told that I would feel differently if it happened to me, but as it's happened to my own father, I think I still feel the same. There has been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion. And part of me wishes I could despise the man who did this to my father. But I can't get any of any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. I thought this might change if the man continued to live. But when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, 
part of me was relieved. My prayer is that someday down the road, I'd get to spend some time with the man who shot my father. Not to scream at him. Not to yell at him. Not to scold him. Simply to tell him about Jesus. It's pretty crazy, huh? I have no idea where you are. My hope for you is that you would surrender. You would maybe maybe you you don't stop reading. You keep reading about Jesus and investigating Jesus, and then you just surrender and you believe that He is everything that He claimed to be. He's everything that other people said of Him. He can be your personal Savior. And for those who do believe. Man, this is the time, just like the, the shepherds, we're to tell the story. And so who will you tell this week? As us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to read the details of what happened the first Christmas. And then, and then we're able to glean and remember the whole point is that you loved us so much. You loved us so deeply that you wanted a relationship. And the only way was for Jesus to come. So thank you. Thank you for Christmas, thank you for Good Friday, and thank you for Easter. Thank you that that's the foundation of our faith. Father, I pray for those who have yet to trust you, that they would trust you, they would stop trying to fight this, and they would surrender. And then, Father, for those who are followers of Jesus, that they would know that it's not about what's happening, no, it's about what's happened, that you came to be one of us. But you didn't leave us alone, you gave us your Holy Spirit. And so whatever we're facing, Father, remind us that you've given us a life, not just biological life, but spiritual life. So, God, thank you. Thank you for Christmas. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.